All right, welcome back to Why Won't You Think Like Me, the podcast that doesn't claim to be right, just that you're wrong, and this week you're wrong, or maybe we're both wrong. Everybody's probably wrong about flat taxes and taxes in general. I'm Joey, the half of the podcast that only makes omelets for breakfast and eats toast. And I'm the other half of the podcast, George, and I defend Trump even when he's wrong. Exactly. So we're uh, we're kind of jumping at this one from a different uh direction than we typically do george we were just talking off off record about uh flat taxes and just kind of like we got to a good point so we're just jumping straight into it we have very differing stances on flat tax flat taxes yes we do i think flat taxes are good they're fair and i think we should implement them in our country conversely I think they're fair. I don't think they're effective with how our country looks right now. I don't think it would work. I don't think that the the general idea that people have in mind when they talk about flat taxes works in today's society. But, Joey, liberty is complicated, and it's hard, and it's difficult. So although it may not work, it's the right thing to do, and we need to push forward with doing what's right and let the consequences be damned. You're talking about utilitarianism, and I'm talking about... Uh, you know, whatever the opposite of utilitarianism is, <laughs> non-utilitarianism. <laughs> so let me let me put forth an analogy real quick to that point because I think that this will make some sense. Let's say, okay, so you know that you're supposed to get an oil change in your car every five or so thousand miles, right? Uh, yes, yes, I I heard that one time. Yeah, I I did too. Haven't tested it. We'll find out later if it's true or not. Personal experiment. So let's say that you get a brand new car, drive 100,000 miles, if it even makes it that far, without ever getting an oil change. And then, after that 100,000th mile, you go to a mechanic, and they're like, hey man, this car's screwed up. You haven't gotten an oil change at all. You need to start doing that. At that point, even if you start giving your car a regular oil change, there's already so much damage to your engine that you might not be able to salvage it just by doing that, like you were supposed to be doing 100,000 miles ago. Do you see where I'm going with this? I think so. Keep going. So, essentially, what I'm trying to get at with that is that I think flat taxes would have been a fantastic idea 50, 60 years ago. and Not not in an equitable sense, because obviously, like, socially, we had a lot of problems and... uh we had a, a, a lot of inequality just in terms of, of race and gender and things like that. But uh, the, the idea being that we, when our country wasn't as in debt as it is and when wealth inequality wasn't as dramatic as it is, I think that it would have worked. However, my problem is that now if you take, and you were saying earlier, a 10% tax rate, if you take a 10% flat tax, apply that to everybody— that looks like a lot more money to somebody making $18,000 a year than it does to somebody that owns uh, half of the GDP of our country. Like, that, to me, it just doesn't seem practical anymore because the amount of money that the top 1% in this country makes is so exorbitant that I don't think that that's an applicable thing to do. Now, this is somewhat related to a lot of our con- our conversation with capitalism versus Marxism and how capitalism actually does breed income inequality now it's also because uh it's also because capitalism creates more income so the more income you have the more exponential the in- inequality becomes exactly but we also for, uh 
to make profit rather than manufacturing to meet demand. That's just a principle of it. Right. So, but we've also looked at how the standards of living are fantastic in our country, even if are poor even across the world globally there has been extremely large strides in rescuing and taking people out of abject poverty so the standards of living and people the amount of people living in uh, extreme poverty extremely low in comparison to say a hundred years ago so there is a lot of problems being created when it comes to inequality and income inequality so when people hear about a tax a flat tax rate and it being the same it being equal say let's just say you have we're going to go with the 10 percent tax uh flat tax rate so let's say you only have a dollar that means you only have to to pay 10 cents that's it and then of course if you have a hundred dollars then ten dollars so the the growth is is linear. It's not an exponential chart when it uh, comes to when it comes to flat tax rate. It's just linear. It just goes up in a straight line. With a lot more progressive tax plans, it's more exponential. It gets extremely higher when uh, the, the income gets. My whole point, though, is not about what is effective, but about what is truly fair and liberal and about individual rights and about uh, economic opportunity and fairness. And I think a flat tax rate best because you're not, you're not charging people for being rich. And that's kind of where I see a flat tax rate doing is in a way you're suggesting that it's, uh, it's almost undeserved to have the amount of money that you have and, or you, responsibility to the uh, nation if you have more money look if you feel like people do have more of a moral responsibility if they're rich people who are rich can actually voluntarily give tax money to the government they can do that on their own but what if they have something what if they actually don't believe the government is effective what if they don't believe that where they're putting their money would actually be affected so or the flip every side citizen in America probably they <laughs> probably are but the 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 flip side I do believe uh, more giving more tax money to the government will be better you can give more let people give more let people vote with their money have a base level this is what you have to give give unto caesar what is caesar's kind of rate but then let the opportunity to give if they feel like the government could actually do something good with it. So, I agree with a lot of that. Actually, my problem is that maybe maybe this is a, a far a more far reaching problem than what I'm willing to give it credit for. I don't know. I think he, I think people are kind of shitty. Like I just I've seen that within a pure fend-for-yourself capitalist system. It, we're not even really capitalist anymore. It's more of an oligarchy at this point. But with the capitalism allowed to run rampant, what I've seen happen, and my limited anecdotal experience and what I've looked up, is that people will figure... Okay, so let me let me give you an... I was actually talking to somebody about this um, a while ago, and I think that this puts kind of my view on 
uh, I think this will make my my stance on that a little bit more clear. So, I like video games. I don't. You probably knew that. I like playing video games. One of my favorite ones, and actually a lot of the ones that I've played in the past, uh, there's this idea within those games called the meta. And what the meta is in that context is a set of uh, weapons, abilities, powers that are the best thing in the game. What ends up happening is after a game comes out, people will play with all the different stuff in the game and then figure out what the absolute best things are. Let's just say it's a multiplayer game where you're playing against other people to win. People will figure out what the best thing is. Only ever use that thing. Which is fine if you're in a competitive environment and you're trying to win. But the problem with it is that if that is all that you see for weeks, months, sometimes years on end, it becomes no longer fun. Nobody wants to take part in that thing anymore because you can't get out of that one thing that everybody is using. I've seen this happen with virtually every game that I've ever played that is a multiplayer game. So... What will be done to combat this? Because what what ideally would happen is that people would say, hey, this thing's boring. Let's use other stuff. That doesn't happen because some people are scumbags and just want to win. What ends up happening is that the developers of that game will look at what people are using, will look at what's the most popular, will look at what isn't getting used and what, what has just been completely thrown to the wayside and try and bring those things up and bring the, sometimes bring the thing on the top down. What that'll do is kind of shake the thing up a little bit so that it's a little bit more leveled, so that it's more fun for people playing. What The idea there being that the developer of the game has to kind of come in and do some stuff there to make the thing more fun for everybody playing because you don't want to just use the same thing forever. There's other stuff within the game that they want people to use, and so they try and level it out. This is just a question for clarification. Now, I take it this is an online game model that you download, not a, you know, disc uh, that you pop in. It's a online game style, right? Yeah, exactly. So they can edit it as they go. Yep. Cool. So, and I'm sure that you kind of see where I'm going with that. And <laughs> for everybody that's just like like with your tor- torches and pitchforks right now saying, are you comparing the government to a video game? No, but I think that that analogy does a lot of good for people that don't want to look outside of the box that they've been in for their entire lives. Because what I've noticed, especially when it comes to um, when it comes to financial policy and stuff like that, like we covered in our identity politics episode, people are so ingrained in what they think is right that if you so much as propose something different, they see it as an attack on themselves and immediately get aggressive and defensive. It's like if you put a cat around somebody new, what they're going to do is either run away or attack it because they don't know what the thing is. Like, that's just going to happen every single time, and I don't think that's an effective form of discourse. But that that analogy, in my opinion, kind of puts out what I think that my stance is in that the system that we've had for the last 200-something years has gotten to a point now where you have to do this most effective thing in order to compete in it, otherwise you're not. And, like, if I wanted to go start an internet service provider company, there's not a snowball's chance in hell that I get off the ground doing that. It's just not possible right now. Like, it it just isn't, because AT&T, Spectrum, and I guess Sprint and T-Mobile, if you want to consider either of those, like, they own the whole thing. I have no chance of competing with that. Hmm. Well, there could be some helpful starting points, like joining that organization and then trying to 
create some movement and mobility and then maybe start a company of your own. You could maybe do something like that. But I agree. The when it comes to technology, technology is creates a very interesting problem because people control it. And this is just a this is just a problem since the beginning of time, right? The there's the every system, no matter how hard we try, seems oligarchical. Seems like it's really only a few people controlling it. So technology, technology has this tremendous ability to promote democracy and oligarchy at the same time. In Venezuela, the reason why a lot of the success has been undertaken in Venezuela is because of technology, people recording things, people seeing life outside of Venezuela, and they know that this isn't how it should be. The success of a state like North Korea, the reason why it's so successful is because the people there are in such destitution. They're so outside world, and it's all they've ever known. Yep. So technology hasn't, quote unquote, ruined the people. But technology has ruined the Venezuelans for good, in a good way. Well, the other side of it, though... Is it, it, it's only a few companies that really control this technology. And it's pretty, pretty big deal that, you know, Google is insanely powerful, insanely powerful. And the question then becomes is when should the government step in to a organization like that? And my basic principle is when that body becomes an authority to itself. So when Google is able to do things that I don't know if uh, are very moral, for instance, make a good argument that you you remember all the craze about the Patriot Act, right? Yep. And a lot of it was how how the Patriot Act kind of stepped on individual liberties and it stepped over things like privacy. And I don't know where I would have stood in the debate. I probably would have been anti-Patriot Act, and yet at the same time, I'm okay with things like uh, gun control. So I I could see it going either way. But with with companies with companies that sell your your information, they sell you who you are, what you like, and then start throwing ads at you based on that. You could make an argument that that is an infringement on privacy, and that uh, is is kind of scary. That ability to do that. Mm-hmm. At what point will Google beyond their bounds and and start doing other perhaps immoral practices? Well, it depends on who you are, because I would argue that they've been doing that for a long time. But the the thing with Google is that the product that they offer in return is valuable enough for us to look at that as a risk factor and say, this is worth it because of what I get in exchange. That, I think, is the difference. Yeah, I guess if they were more transparent about it, it may be more helpful. Because even if I knew they sold my information... I'd pro- I'd still use it. I have no because I'm not. I am private. I'm a private person, but I don't that invested in technology to actually be worried. 
Like, I don't put that much personal information out there anyway. Well, it's not that... So, because I, I spent a good portion of last year... This is a topic for a whole other day. I'm going to just touch on this briefly because we could go on about this forever. But I, I spent a good portion of last year reading through all of the terms and conditions of stuff like Google and Facebook just to see what those are about. Because this was around the time that Google... There was an incident in Raleigh um, that Google basically... or the the uh, Raleigh Police Department basically requested personal info from Google, and they they complied with it. And I was like, "Huh, that seems weird. What all can you get?" And it's essentially like uh, where you've been and what times you were there, travel times, different things like that. Um, a lot more personal information, like stuff that you've ever stored in uh, in cookies in Google, passwords, social security number, stuff like that. I mean, they have access to all of that stuff, so it's not just like oh, I put this thing on Facebook, Google has access to it. It's stuff that you wouldn't even believe that they have access to. It's, in a sense, scary. But, like you were saying, I like Google Maps. It works great. It's a good service. Like, I'm fine with that risk because I, I get a thing in exchange that makes my life better. Um, and there's even now discussion about Google and Apple and Amazon being too big, and uh, there's been discussion about breaking those companies up. So that's, again, that's a discussion for another day. But it's a thing that people are talking about. Whereas, in my opinion, an issue like, this is something that I uh, we were talking about just before we started recording too, that I don't think, like everybody has big, uh, like big ticket issues that they want addressed whenever they're voting for a candidate. This is in the United States, might be different in your country. Um, but the the like some of those issues for me one of them is uh income inequality because i believe that it's a problem now i couldn't begin to tell you what the heck we should do to fix it because i'm not a policymaker i don't want to be for this reason it's hard as shit there's a lot of stuff that you have to consider there there are so many factors that have to be brought into consideration when you are thinking about implementing something that affects people's income directly i don't want to be in charge of that i just know what works for me and what doesn't work for me, and what I think is a problem, and that's the feedback that I want people making these decisions to understand. So there's two things with that. The first one being that that's the thing that I want people making these policies to understand. I don't see that with our policymakers now. They don't feel representative of the people that they're supposed to be representing. So that's a problem. And then on top of that, I don't see anybody on... The this is more partisan than anything, but uh, I, I feel like flat tax is more aligned with conservatives and non-flat, whatever the opposite of that is, more aligns with uh, Democrats. But I don't see on the, the Republican side of that income inequality really being talked about as an issue because it's just capitalism. That's just what it is. It's a cutthroat thing. You must be doing something wrong. Yeah, and that and that isn't a, uh, a fair way to characterize people either because the feel like if they do fail in a capitalist society it is their fault and it really isn't the case a lot of the time a lot of it is is situation and context and opportunity and when companies cut in on opportunity then that's that's not a good thing and big companies tend to be the ones that do this and at the same time they are the ones that create a lot of jobs for people because the bigger the company is a lot of the times the more benefits that they could afford the more uh, employees they can afford they could just do a lot more than say a small family business sometimes i'm all for small business i'm all for that but let's be real not every small business is a good business 
And not every small business can actually afford to give their employees benefits and to support them and support themselves well. So big companies, yes, they do provide a lot of problems. And yet at the same time, do create a lot of solutions and have helped a lot of people out of poverty. But to your point on what is the solution, to it is not flat or it is not a progressive tax for for me. I don't think that is a good way to to issue of income inequality and create more economic growth. I think regulating companies is a much better way to to go about uh, to to go about solving the issue of income inequality. The libertarian tax is also interesting position too because what the libert, uh, libertarian argument is having a national sales tax, which I think is a pretty cool way to to think about it. As long as the tax isn't too big, if you're keeping the money in the country, which we that in the U.S. Uh, with shipping jobs to other countries, and you're you're if you have a lot of money, you spend a lot of money. If you don't have a lot of money, you don't spend a lot of money. So you could say it's even more fair than say a flat income tax rate. And having people buy things, tax going to the the na- to uh, the national tax, that could be a much better way to go about it. Part of the problem I have with uh, with what's going on is we need to regulate companies, but the individuals within those companies we shouldn't treat unfair. And I think that's a big difference. What I think is a good solution is focus more on the companies rather than the people that make up the one percent. Yeah, let's let's have regulations on big companies, but should we focus on you know Bernie Sanders' big scare, the one percent? And just them, or who is the lady that wanted the seventy uh, percent tax rate for the rich? Was that Omar or was that AOC? It was a uh, like that to me is so terrible and so uh, unjust. It that would create income inequality. That is that is income inequality, but in government form. For the government to say you can't be you can't be rich to punish them and they're just going to go to another country if that's the case. Let's have a fair tax rate though and consequences happen. So just to kind of like give that a, f- a fair shake, I'm not promoting or uh, saying this is a bad idea. I'm just kind of explaining it. But the way that that policy would work is essentially I don't remember the exact figure. I think it was ten million dollars, but it would tax income over a certain amount of money it was like a very large amount of money i think it was 10 million it might have even been more than that um it would tax all of the income over that amount at 70 percent, and then once you get below that it's taxed at like 35 or whatever it's at now it's pretty it's not nearly as aggressive so if you made 10 million in one dollars that one dollar is taxed at 70 percent. the 10 million you made before that is taxed at 35 so it's not like if you make a lot of money, all of it's getting taxed that much because you're right. That's bullshit. That would be stupid. But it was it was taxing the income itself over a certain amount, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I just don't think that that is. I still don't think that's right. Good solution because if we're talking 
free what free market is and this is why i am a capitalist is it's freedom of liberty it's individual rights extended into how they spend their commerce so for instance we have and it doesn't matter if you are black white male female you have that right and you should have that right if you don't then uh, you, there needs to be prosecution. There needs to be defense. There, we need to stand up for that. I believe in human uh, dignity and value, which means if everybody should have health care, because you can't say that life is a human right and not provide health care. So those things are individual liberties. They're rooted in human dignity, human rights. All free market is is extending those liberties to how you spend your money and interact with people i don't think the government is the one who should tell you how to i think the best way is for you to know your gifts and talents to know the needs of your economic situation and to provide something that can fulfill both those things and this is why a lot of people view capitalism as inherently selfish because it's a mutual self-interest system but you know i just think self-recognizing your self-dignity and your talents is not the same as self-interest. And I don't view capitalism as cynically as, as some. Do. Yeah. yeah. Here we are. So I want to, I want to jump ship to your point about how a flat tax uh, would factor into universal health care. Cause that's the thing that you and I are both for. But before I do that, I want to present what I think is the biggest problem with my idea of what a tax should be. So, Obviously, I'm not necessarily for a flat tax rate uh, across the board right now with the way things are, because I just, like I've said at the top of this, I don't think it's that effective. But the problem that I see created by any amount of taxation, whether it's high or low, is that there comes a certain point when somebody is making however much money. Jeff Bezos can only buy so many cars. He can only own so many houses. He's only going to spend his money on so much stuff. But at the end of that, he's still making a lot of money. He's still getting a lot of cash flowing into his account, and he's still got some frozen in capital gains and in, in other assets like that that aren't liquid. But he is still making money even after he stops being able to spend it all or his divorce takes half of it, whichever comes first. But... <laughs> There comes a certain point where he can't do anything with that money anymore except just hold on to it. And sure, people like Bill Gates and even Jeff Bezos himself, they donate a lot of that. And I think that's fantastic. I think that that's a very good philanthropic thing to do. But not everyone is going to look at it that way, and not everybody does it that way. The reason why I don't think... What I noticed with, with the idea of strict free market capitalism, get the government out of, uh, out of the market and just let it operate, is that... There are people that I know that are good people that they would live, they would keep what they need to live and they would do good things with the rest of it. And by good, I, I don't mean just holding on to it. I mean like donating it to charities and using it to help people directly. I have a, a much lower view of humanity than that. And I know that that's not going to happen with everybody that makes that amount of money. People are greedy. I've seen this happen firsthand with people that make a lot of money. Sure, it's probably anecdotal, but what I've noticed is that when people start making more money, they're less inclined to generally, especially if it's uh, like they have lived in poverty, they're less inclined to go give that out to a bunch of people. A lot of them are just going to want to spend it on whatever the heck they want and just hold on to it. I don't think 
Sure, I think that's terrible. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong about that because they have every right to do it, and I'm not going to sit here and say reasonably that, yes, you can't do that because that's immoral. Who cares? Morality doesn't matter in this in this uh, circumstance. That's not what a capitalist system is about. But no matter what my view on the tax rate is, there's still this just large, large sums of money that are sitting in bank accounts and in... in uh, and non-liquid assets that these people have just accrued over the years that's just straight up not getting circulated into the economy. It's not getting put into businesses. It's not getting put into people's paychecks. The government isn't getting it. It's essentially just gone. It's like that money was printed, and then it disappeared. It's never getting spent. It's never getting saved. It's never getting reinvested. It's just gone. What do you do about all of that? Because to me, like, there has to be something done about that, but there's not a single solution there short of that person just deciding to want to do something good with it, that is good. And I'm not going to argue that there is, because that's that's straight up illegal. That would be taking money from somebody, but to me, that's an issue that needs to be addressed. I I definitely that a flat tax rate would not solve a lot of issues. I don't, I'm not presumptuous of that. I think the issue that you talk about with income inequality is an important one. I don't know if there's a single way this side of heaven to actually totally solve that. I don't think that the that in this life people are divided by rich, bad, poor, good. I think that there are good and bad people, quote unquote. We're making a we're using it <laughs> by human standards. By yeah. God's eyes, nobody is good. Uh, but your moral character is not is not a determinant uh, by by how much income you make. It is only revealed more and more because the more things you have, the more responsibilities and opportunities you have, the more you will reveal what is your true heart. And in free market, all it means is you have the freedom to to spend your money relatively however you please sort of things like, you know, trafficking or uh, Ill other illegal activities. As long as you don't get caught, it's uh, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Pablo Escobar, he did it. Favorite favorite Colombian president, for sure. He's the, <laughs> he's the Pope of South America. I don't before know, France was. Google and Apple have been my favorite United States president. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Here's my problem with the way we think about money and the way we think about government's role. Government takes money. They spend money on crap that we vote for, hopefully. Well, I got about a bunch of problems with how the government spends money. Trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. Why am I going to give a screamy, bratty child who has no idea how to spend their money more money? I'm not going to put more money in an ineffective business like that. If you were to think about the government like a business, the source sucks. And here's the reason why any government uh, agency or business usually sucks. I'm not saying I'm against them all. I think some it's bet sometimes it's really better to have uh, I'm for things like public education and public health care all that yeah I'm good with so if you go 
to other countries, you will realize that when you deal with government agencies there, they also suck. Why do they all suck, including including American agencies? Why is it when you go into, say, a DMV or, you know, EPA office, you feel like you're going to die? It's because there's no one else to do the job and they don't have to do it that well. The government never has to do a job well because they're the ones in power. So I'm not going to give an ineffective business more when they're not spending the money I've already given them wisely. It's like if a child comes to you and says, hey, dad, can I have uh, $10 to go get mom a present? Well, what are you going to do? Of course, you're going to give him the money. But then he spends it all on chocolate. He comes back. Hey, can I have more money? No. No, you can't. Or at the very least, I'm going to go with you next time you spend it. You're not going to give them more. So why are we giving money, more money to a government that doesn't know how to spend it? A flat tax rate gives you the opportunity. To, it's fair. It's equal. And if you want to spend more and you want to give the government more, you can do that. If you're like, hey, I want uh, I want more money in public education, I think that could be a cool option, too, to say, hey, I'd like to put your money in the in the budget uh, that Congress and Senate uh, president all work on. Where would you want it spent? Would you want it spent on Medicare? Would you want it spent on on schools? Where would you like it? And let people have that option. That's a, in my opinion, it's a much more effective way. It's a, it's run like a business. There's accountability. You should, your money should go to where you intended it. And if it's not, you get to sue them. So let the, the government be open to lawsuits on how they spend it. Maybe if there was more accountability, then uh, things like, things like over, overspending on military wouldn't be so bad. Maybe if we focused more on veterans than, you know, cool bombs, then we'd be in a better society. Just give people the opportunity. That's my tax plan. Yeah, and I, like to your point, we in 2018 spent almost 645 uh, billion dollars on our defense budget. That's crazy. The next closest to that was China and they were at like 150. That's so there's a huge Disparity. And China has a lot, a lot more people too. So that's yeah. pretty. That's for context. Uh, we, that's over three percent of our GDP and less than two percent of China's. So I agree. I think our government is absolute horse doo doo at spending money. They're just not good at it. Look at the evidence that we have right now. We're over twenty-two trillion dollars in debt. Where does that go? I couldn't begin to break that down for you. I'm sure that they couldn't either. But Again, this kind of harkens back on my analogy at the beginning of this, that the government is the car that's been running without an oil change for 100,000 miles, and they can start changing the oil now, but it's not going to do any good for the damage that's already been done to it. And I don't think either that a tax plan is going to fix that. I agree that there is some serious shit that needs to get ironed out before I'm willing to give the government any more money than what they're already taking from me because they're not doing a good job with what they have. One of the problems that I think is more glaring now than ever is that traditionally the people that have always said that the government needs to be small 
are now fine with the fact that the government is can basically do what they want as long as it's justified through some fear-mongering tactic. And obviously the thing that I'm pointing to is, and we probably have differing stances on this, you might disagree with this, who actually knows, but the thing that I'm pointing to is uh, Trump's national emergency declaration to get a wall built. To me, when you say that you are a fan of smaller government, you have to oppose that because it's clearly not an, a national emergency. If it was, it would have been done last year. And what that has essentially said is that we are fine with the government saying something to get a thing done, even if that thing is not true. That, to me, is a huge problem, and that reinforces the fact that I don't want to give them more of my money if they can't do with what they already have something better than what they're doing. It seemed like very dirty politics, I'll give you that, with the whole the declaration of emergency. That is a thought, however... The other flip side of it that I totally respect is a lot of the trafficking and a lot of the uh, major drug dealing and a lot of the, frankly, very, very dangerous circumstances at the border. Uh, see how people would conclude that is an emergency, uh, but it did just seem like dirty politics for sure. I'm, I'm. I don't want to understate the border issue because the border issue is a major one and I am all for borders and all for security and I'm also for So if you want a brief statement creed what I believe about immigration right now it's difficult to be a legal citizen and it's easy to be an illegal citizen and we incentivize yeah. illegal immigration so we can be for borders we could even be four walls, but if reform on the immigration side, on uh, getting people assimilated into our society effectively, then I think we're just kind of uh, pissing on a fire, and it's not really solving the issue. It depends but... on how small the fire is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Depending on what side you fall on, it might be a small fire or a big fire. But So getting back on track with the tax discussion, you are for universal health care yeah i am as well i don't think that a flat tax rate would allow that policy to be sustainable when you look at countries that do have universal health care whether it's sweden or finland the one argument that i see against that is how high their tax rates are in order to sustain that thing the citizens from what i can tell are fine with it because if they don't have to pay anything to go see the doctor it's great but uh, the the idea with those is that the tax rate is fairly high in order to sustain that thing. How would that? How would a flat tax rate factor into universal universal health care right now? Because I don't think that it could sustain it. Well, it's, I'm glad that you asked that, Joey. Because you know I agree. It it wouldn't be sustainable. <laughs> it really wouldn't. And Thanks, government. <laughs> you know, it, I think. Here's how I think about things. I think about what we ought to do. And then I figure out eventually how we best ought to do it. Uh, at least that's what I think I do. <laughs> we talk about confirmation bias a lot. So I can, on principle, even though I'm not sure how to get there. I think healthcare is a human right. It's not something that is a privilege. Uh, so, and it could actually help quite a lot with income inequality if people who are getting seriously injured 
on say job sites and then they're you know thrown out of work well if we were getting people coverage and um, they're able to go to the doctor go to the emergency room and not be charged hundreds of thousands of dollars out of their asshole that's just you know that would be so much more helpful and it could solve a lot of problems things like uh mental health too if we were able to help people with their mental health better i understand that mental health is a complicated issue and it's not exactly an easy science to figure out what the best way to but I think it would help with I think it would help with a lot of people if people who had mental health issues were getting coverage and help they needed. So they're not being thrown on the street because they're not useful to society. Well, anyway, how do you go? My problem is I don't think I would never want the government to start it now. I am for universal health care, but not right now. I think we're too much in debt to do that. I would love for us to be out of debt and then spend our uh, money wisely. So until, until we get out of debt, we need to really refocus the budget. I think the government should be run like a business, not a charity. And right now, I think it's being run like an ineffective charity and that's not good. So it's not sustainable over time. That's interesting because some of the praises that I've heard of Trump's presidency so far, and I only bring, I'm not trying to like just rip on Trump and conservatives. It's just what we have as a present example. So it's what I'm talking to. But what one thing that I've seen uh, as a compliment to Trump's uh, presidency so far is that he's running the country like a business and that that's made the economy boom and that that is what has made uh made everything look so good on paper so that's it's interesting that you say that but that kind of brings me to one major criticism that i have of both sides of this issue and i'd say this to myself as well as you and other people that uh are on differing sides of it because i think that this is a problem that basically everybody that has talked about these issues and has tried to make policy about it, especially within Congress, runs into. So I to, to start with the left, because I think I've been doing a, a, a good enough job of covering my disagreements with the right so far. Um, my big problem with the left and how they address tax policy and reform within the government and more big-ticket issues like how to address climate change and things like that is that a lot of their policy focuses more on social justice and uh, bringing up people that are disparaged and doesn't focus enough on the economic impacts of the things that they're trying to implement. You can look at the Green New Deal that AOC has put forth, which in concept I think is a fantastic idea. I think it's something that needs to be done. It's replacing our old dated fossil fuel-based infrastructure with a newer, uh, cleaner, sustainable energy-based uh, infrastructure, energy infrastructure, which I think is great. I think that that needs to happen. We have science to tell us that it needs to happen. But what they have proposed, basically, is this is a social issue. It's a thing that our demographic wants. Let's do this. Ten years, we're replacing everything, 90-something trillion dollars. What? How in the hell do you expect that to work? Like, I get that you can pull that money from places. I get that you can cut 
back money from the defense budget and pull it from places that aren't currently being taxed and stuff like that, that's not effective. That will not work. And there's just, there's no way around that. It's, it's short-sighted on the economic front, in my opinion. Now, the other side is that, uh, and, and you especially see this with taxes, I was watching, not watching, Fox News was on in the background um, at work. <laughs> and uh, one of these shows that they have called The Five, there's this dude up there that was talking about uh, how good the economy is doing right now. And what they essentially pulled up was this graph uh, from 2008 to now showing the... Uh, the lowering uh, in unemployment rates and seeing how much better the economy was doing. I'm not even 100% sure what metrics that they were judging it by, but it looked positive. This graph made it look good. So the way that I like to view this is, let's take, since I was talking about gaming earlier, let's take a company like Activision, um, since they had a, a pretty big issue with this last year. Last year was fiscally the best year they've ever had by a long shot. They made an absolute metric ass load of money. With that, the when their earnings report came out, they stated that they did not meet their financial goals for the year and they laid off nearly 2,000 employees because of that. The the thing they were trying to accomplish there was to make their numbers look good for shareholders short term because that's what they look for. That's not an effective business strategy. That's going to crash and burn in five to ten years. But short term, it looks great, and that's what they look for. And I think that a lot of the right-leaning policies concerning economics and taxes and specifically stuff that Trump's uh, Trump's presidency has done is do things to make the policies look, to make the numbers look good while I'm in office. That way, when I'm gone, we can just blame the Democrat that comes in after me because— that way, it's not my fault. I'm not in office. So even if my policies are still taking effect here, I'm not in office. It's not my fault. If stuff starts to hit the fan from something I implemented eight years ago, it's this guy's fault, not mine. And I see that a lot with tax implementation and uh, the way that um, businesses and income gains and all that stuff sort of stuff is taxed. And that, that to me, are, are the two big glaring problems that I see on both sides of that issue. And it's not one that I see talked about at all. I, I do want to bridge those two things you're talking about a bit closer. So we're talking about what is what is effective and what is intentionally well met, well meant. Well, I think in a more liberal mindset, intention is everything. And in a more conservative mindset, results are everything. And both of those, you kind of have to be careful with on an ethical standpoint i think a biblical ethic would be the right intention the right means and the right situation will end in the right result hopefully so you can't choose either or i sense that the a big glaring problem with or of a more liberal mindset is they are typically driven by compassion and People of a more conservative mindset are always driven by results. So for my issue with a lot of the tax stuff, it is a result problem. And it would be a more definitely way more conservative view I have on things. But when people who are Democrats are talking about uh, a lot of issues, it's all driven by compassion. Well, there's a big problem with misplaced compassion. 
And it's that and end up hurting the situation more than is actually uh, was actually you intended. So, for instance, intention doesn't mean that you're going to get good results. Just because you have a good intention doesn't mean it'll end well. People have say the old saying, the road good intentions. If you look at any Marxist type of history, uh, it starts off anti-fascist, and it ends up fascist anyway. So you take out the people who are in power, the oligarchs, you reconsolidate the wealth and power, and then and you become fascist before you know it or not. This was the whole problem in Animal Farm by George Orwell. You had a group of animals that revolted against the farmer who was the totalitarian, right? The farmer ran the farm. Well, then the pigs ended up taking over the farm, and they became a dictatorship. That is the overwhelming problem with the system built in a Marxist mindset. Hey, George, it really quick, breeds can I, can I Marxism. Here for a second? It breeds fascism, rather. Yeah, you're, what's you're up? You're going to hate me, but would it not be a pigtatorship? Uh... I hate <laughs> myself for that, but I couldn't not do it. <laughs> A dictatorship. It's a dictatorship, Joey. You know why? Why is that? The people who run them are dicks. Oh, man. I would have never thought of that. Yeah. That's fascinating. We're deep. We're deep, man. Exactly. So for for liberals, you can't just think about intention. Intention isn't anything. I know you're trying to help, but you can't, for instance, another example is uh, parenting, child. Like, all right. We don't know anything about parenting, but we know enough on principle to know that you don't give everything they want. You don't do everything for a child either, because if you do everything for a child throughout their life, you ruin that child to be able to make decisions and to have them overcome challenges. So for how it works politically is if you're in place, which I'm all for safety nets. But if you're doing everything for people, then you're not actually giving them the opportunity to think critically and maybe come up with a better solution than the government could even come up with. Because every situation is very unique and different. So to have a blanket uh, solution to one problem, I think that's very unlikely given the size of our country, too, because the size of our country is like, you know, the size of Europe. Basically, our economy doesn't look like one European country. It looks like the European Union combined, more so. And that's another big difference, too. Like, it's really easy to compare. I'll take Finland, for example, since I was talking about them earlier, to look at them and say, look at these policies that they have in place. That's working great. Let's copy and paste it. Like, as much as I hate that this is a just kind of, it's been used traditionally as a shutdown argument for people that are, uh, are against this. It's true in the sense that their economy is very different. Their demographic is very different. Their size is very different. You can't copy-paste something that works on something on a smaller scale and expect it to work in the same way with a country the size of the United States. It's just not practical, and it isn't going to work the same way. But connecting all of this back together, regardless of whether or not you're for a flat tax or against it, one problem that I see right now within our tax code in general is the way that it's broken up makes absolutely no sense, and I'm not sure how we got 
to that point. So right now, the way that our tax code works in this country is that if you're within a certain bracket, you're taxed X amount. The second you make a dollar over that amount, your your uh, your amount of taxation jumps up to the next bracket. And you can envision this by thinking of a staircase. So you're on the stair at the lowest bracket. You get out of that bracket and you jump up to the next stair. There's no incline. It's and these aren't exact numbers. I'm just uh, using this as an example. Let's say you're taxed. 7%, you jump up to the next bracket, you're taxed 14%, even if you're only making a dollar over what you made the year before. It's not it's not gradual. Like, it needs to look like a bell curve uh, with the way that it is right now, and right now it just looks like a stair-stepping thing. And what that, uh, what that causes is people that will intentionally not take a pay raise to avoid getting into the next tax bracket because they're going to end up paying more. It would be a net loss for them if they went up to that next tax bracket because they're going to be paying more in taxes and it doesn't make sense for them. I agree that I think that that is a problem. To me, that's not effective. And I think that that fundamentally, regardless of which side of the flat tax argument you fall on, needs to be looked at because it's, it just doesn't make any sense. Regardless of what this, those percentages actually are for you, the fact that it looks like a staircase makes absolutely no sense to me. And it's not... It doesn't work for people from what I've seen. But you know what would be a gradual growth in tax, right? What's that? A flat tax rate. More right. money. Not more percentage, but more money. The more the more money you make, the more money you give. It's flat, it's level, it's fair, and it wouldn't it would avoid that problem. I agree. However, I just don't think it would be effective now. And again, one of the the big reasons for that is that uh, this is a discussion that I've seen numerous people talk about, and it seems to be one of the biggest problems with addressing uh, income inequality in this country, is that when you look at somebody like Jeff Bezos, who makes, God, like 40-something billion, billion dollars a year, it's like halfway to being a... Tri- it's, it's an absurd amount of money. I can't even wrap my mind around how much money he makes. It's insane. But when you look at the, his... his uh, uh, I'm totally blanking on the term. Net worth. When you look at his net worth, a lot of the money that he quote-unquote has possession of is not in liquid assets. It's in stuff like income gains and uh, like stock within the, com- the company that he owns and things like that. So it's not like if you went to his bank account and checked how much he has in his checking, it's not going to say 40-something billion dollars. It's going to say significantly less than that, and then he has all of these other ways of pulling out more money. To my knowledge, that stuff is not taxed at all, or hardly at all. It's a very, very low amount. And this kind of harkens back to what I was saying at the beginning, that the problem is that you have all this money that's just sitting there that isn't getting taxed at all, and so what should be fair and level for everybody isn't actually because there's money that should be getting taxed that just isn't and so the government isn't getting paid what they should to support policies and uh infrastructure and things like that regardless of what you think should be getting prioritized and it could be that we would need to maybe think about the libertarian national sales tax and i get that it's still being stored but 
if there's a way to get the money flooded into the economy if that works with the economy then you know the more people are spending then the more the more money the government makes and that's a that's also a good incentive to keep the economy afloat on the government's part because if there's a recession and the government is very much interconnected maybe they could think of better solutions that could help out businesses but i don't fully know yeah in in terms what of, do you think go ahead sorry what do you think about a racial tax we charge <laughs> we charge asians the most i mean uh, i think native that... americans the least actually let's not even charge native americans any taxes because they've had a rough go in our history yeah let's just let them let's just let them have it no they'll get they'll get exempted on everything i think that's and fair granted that like they have reservations that are no better than just like straw huts in sub-saharan africa so it's a uh it's like a it's like a prison but with a with a it's like an open prison, you know? You can yeah. you can leave I mean, at any time, look, but look, statistically <laughs> Asians make a lot of money. It makes sense just tax them the most. It's fine. Yeah, right. Like I don't see the problem with that. Or we could charge faith preachers the uh, or uh the the prosperity teachers the most because they have an influx ah. of they they have an ever they're a wellspring of wealth because Joey, your faith is represented in how much money you make. And these these prosperity teachers they faith you know why they, they have, have their money. own private jet this is why so, joel osteen is actually jesus osteen okay he is so you know <laughs> how he got his teeth whitened by the holy spirit the <laughs> holy spirit's his dentist the, his teeth were washed by the blood of the lamb that's why they're white as snow <laughs> so uh real quick before we end, because I think this could be a good setup for a future episode as well, there's a lot of money that could potentially be coming back into the government through taxes in churches. What is your opinion on that? Yes or no? Oh, are you talking about ending tax exemptions for churches? Yeah, I mean, you, you look at some of these churches now, and they're making millions upon millions of dollars. That's a lot of money they could be getting taxed. Well, I don't know how I feel about uh the ter- the uh the tax exemption status on print uh so my inclination is it doesn't seem fair and so i think i could be against it but i would have to do more research i don't think it's unreasonable to tell uh to tell churches hey you can presidential candidates but then you do have to pay taxes so for instance if there's a preacher who is advocating a candidate uh then boom your church now has to pay taxes suck it franklin graham sucks for you dude because it because it's not saying it's saying that you're uh you're actually changing your status it 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 it's a problem of status of what you can be classified as. So I've heard that argument and it makes a lot of sense to me, but uh, I would need to do more research from pulpit to bullshit. <laughs> well that, uh, yeah. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in this week to why won't you wait, 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 like you're me. not going to say what <laughs> you're just going to leave me with that. <laughs> 
I so uh, part of me feels like I should be for it because again I'm a principled person and I I think that I should be. This one thing that I haven't thought through enough, but my personally at least right now I'm fine with churches having tax exemption because the idea of why churches had a tax exemption to begin with makes a lot of sense and I'm a part of a church and I see a lot of churches that use it for that reason, but when it's not that's a problem. Maybe have churches be audited yearly to see where their money is going and then let that be a determining factor. I don't know for sure, but I, I think that it should be circumstantial and not just a generalized thing because when you look at the Church of Scientology, come on. Oh, yeah. They come on. They don't, music. they're not, a, no, they're not doing anything philanthropic with their money. Tax the heck out of it. That, I'm sorry. They just, they don't need to be. So I think it needs to be circumstantial. Okay. Makes sense. Well, yeah. You know, uh, we're all tax-paying citizens, and our time working. Uh, but the best use of spending your time is not on working; it's listening to this podcast. So you should subscribe. You should follow us. You should follow us on Spotify. You should follow us on Twitter. You should follow us on. But you definitely should not follow us to our homes. Because that would be weird. I don't have one. Remember, uh, we got rid of our lives, so we don't even have a home to go back to. We're under a bridge. And we sell discounted Xanax to uh, Vietnam War veterans. Yeah, because they're the only ones that need it. Once they're all gone, we're going to start selling it to Korean War veterans. And then after that, the Gulf War, and so on and so forth. Incremental. Thank you.